episode. Hope you can hear me. All the usual paranoia from me about tech, but it seems to be fairly stable at the moment. And so uh, thank you so much for those of you that, that have given me all the feedback that I've needed to sort of piece this all together and to keep this show on the road. I think this is like, always baffles me when I'm putting these in, it's like 133. This is the episode 133 of this show, which is really cool. So thank you for helping me to keep this going. And also just have an opportunity to, to catch up with some of my nearest and dearest in this industry and uh, an ever emergent talents that uh, I spot and and try to make sure that they give give voice to actual experts in this space because that is my entire project across all different hats that I wear. Choose Health, Physio Matters, MSKR is about raising standards in MSK practice. And there's someone on the show today who uh, I find is someone that really does represent that project well in a sense that she's someone that speaks to what is considered sometimes a niche, but is applying quality MSK clinical reasoning principles to things like dance and performing arts. You will have heard her amongst many tens of thousands of you listen to the Physio Matters podcast with Liz Bailey on that very topic recently. Um, and quite, we've just been talking off air about the fact that she's then been uh, pursuing various different things and speaking to various different audiences, students and otherwise about that topic, which is definitely an interesting one. And I think it's not just because of the specific nature of uh, dancers and, and performing artists, but also then the way in which that can be applied, you know, is a, where it is where athletic pursuit in a training aspect meets performance in, in, a, in a pressured environment. I think that's what is fascinating to many. So without further ado, hopefully I can in a couple of clicks bring Liz in and he says, where's me? This is where I'm, uh, we've just said 133 episodes. I still don't know where my buttons are. There we go. There's Liz. Can you hear Hi. me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Super. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. Appreciate this. Good to, ca good to catch up. Yeah. Um, nice to speak to you. We... We had the Physio Matters podcast, and one of the things I wanted to just put to you start to start off with was you um, tweet when when we launched the episode, you tweeted something that I found really interesting. You'd said that I always thought that someone should do a pod, a Physio Matters podcast on this, and it turned out it needed to be me. So what was yeah. it that made you then think that this would be something that I hope they do, and not necessarily think that you would be the perfect because. It's just the reason it tickled me is because I can't, I can't think of anyone better to apply, uh, you know, that, that's, a, that's a listener that understands what we're about, that understands the format, that seems to enjoy it and like it. That I just imagine that you should have seen yourself in that in that spot. Yeah, it's it's so funny when when you, it, well done remembering my tweet by the way. That's my pinned tweet on um, Twitter. Um, yeah, I, do you remember the phone call that we had when you you asked me to do it? Do you remember what I said? <laughs> um, I don't know if I remember it, More or less. Word, but so, I it was on that theme in a way you were like are you yeah. sure yeah yeah it, basically I remember seeing seeing a message from you and thinking god I wonder if he maybe wants me to do a podcast on on dancers no surely not surely not and then when you spoke to me and you, that, you, that's what it was I think the first thing I said was oh Jack there's like 10 people that would be better than me than I would be you know and I, and I started listing off a load of people that you should actually ask instead of being me and I could literally feel your eyes rolling <laughs> over the phone and you were like, uh, okay, but I think, I think you should do it. And then you, you kind of convinced me to do it. And I'm so glad that I did now. I, it was really, it's terrifying. I felt, found it really, really, um, I found it really difficult, a little bit terrifying, had a couple of sleepless nights over it, but I'm so glad that I did. And I think you were probably right in the end, but I like, yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd always wanted you cause you'd never done anything performance based. And I remember thinking, God, it'd be really interesting if you did. I suppose in the back of my mind, it was like, I wonder if 
I could do that. And then I did. So that's why that's why I tweeted it. Like I've always wanted you to, and I'm so glad I was the one to do it. You know. Well, I need you to take something back already. You think I was probably right. Now I was right. There's no probably about it. It was a brilliant episode, but also that conversation is a relevant one to, to some of the stuff we want to talk about today and some of the stuff that you've reflected in some of the comments on the recent shows we did with, with Joe Turner. Because yeah. that I find interesting because it's about the application of that theoretical knowledge and the way in which that translates to the, the, the live reality of actually delivering care to that population. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I think I've been in that phone call and have said since is that 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 for me is yes there's a, definitely there's an element of confidence that comes to some of this and i take that for granted sometimes because i'm doing it all the time i get that and yeah. it's been years in the making of course and i remember i can think back to how i felt when we first got going with this stuff and there were far more scripts and reading than there were now um yeah. but also it's the the, the the rationalist in me just thinks that that's what our audience are particularly interested in is that translation piece and there is something to be said about it, our our network being true grassroots support for that style of, of practice and having done it you've come to realize just how it was more compatible than you first thought and so do you think that that is something that in other circumstances that's just going to keep happening or do you think that is going to be something that you can use as a piece of evidence to yourself to think yeah you know i'm i'm, I'm le the legit right person for these sorts of gigs yeah yeah probably what you just said i think i having done it i've now done two other podcasts off the back of that one and this today with you like i remember when you first asked me and you said to me remember it's not live it's recorded so if you screw it up we can just edit it and i was like oh okay that's fine then and here i am i'm talking to you live so there's, <laughs> <laughs> there must be an element of progression there right yeah. you know i wouldn't have done this yeah. probably first um so yeah definitely it's given me uh, a little bit of confidence and i think the feedback as well because i got a lot of feedback from dance physios who said wow, you represented us really well. And I was like, oh, thank God. Right, <laughs> you know, and also from people that weren't, that are just, that didn't work with dancers, but said, actually, you, you applied it well so that I can understand what working with dancers is like, right. which was what we wanted to do, wasn't it? We didn't want it to be too niche. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like getting that feedback was, yeah, such a relief. Because like I said, I had a couple of sleepless nights after we recorded it thinking, oh, I don't know if it was good, you know? But so to get the feedback was really sure. fantastic. Yeah, and I, yeah. I just need to lean into the arrogance of saying, well, if I said it's good, you've just got a bloody belief. I know, in it, haven't you? I know a, but... A, it's, a, it's a good idea. It's a good application. And also, mm. the funny thing is, I don't know if this is progression or regression, because obviously it's a far more, this is far more casual and, and somewhat unplanned, which has its daunting aspects, but also means that anything can go and we can go off on various tangents as we as we wish and this also yeah. doesn't need to be a one-off you know we can we can uh, no doubt questions will emerge and things that, that we, I'd love to consult you on and I'm afraid you're just on the hook for various things I'm afraid now you're in our network and you've proven yourself in it and so I'll just put you onto a treadmill and turn the speed up if I can that's the yeah thing, lovely I want your message to proliferate <laughs> yeah okay um, and that's and I'm up for that totally it's nice though I, I was we were just saying off air weren't we but it's kind of Put me in that position where people are now asking me for advice if they see a dancer and they've got a question or something and mm. you know people usually contact me on twitter and i've ended up then contacting them on whatsapp and doing kind of I've, i filmed some videos yesterday for somebody just to help me out with some foot stuff and i was like i was describing it and i said oh i can't describe it i'll, I'll video you some stuff and i thought really i should put this online so that everyone can see it <laughs> but it's it's i feel very honored that people would ask my my opinion i guess but it, i like the fact that it makes me have to do a good job 
So if someone asks my my for my help, especially if they're a, I know they're a good physio, then I need to come back with something really decent, or else, you know, I can't sort of justify the fact that they've yeah the person that asked me for help is has done podcasts and and I know is really good physio. So I was on you know on this video pointing out anatomy and saying do this do that and thinking God he's really going to know if I'm getting this right or not. And in the end, I think it was very helpful for him. So. Yeah. that is very satisfying i really enjoy doing that stuff yeah no that's a great point i think as well it's sometimes the the act of the act of consulting on things especially interprofessionally and stuff does mean that you, you just it steps you up doesn't it, it stops you definitely and also then you produce some of your best work under that pressure now it's as yeah. long as that then also informs and, and and punches the imposter a little bit i think that that would be obviously the the, the dream combo um yeah. one of the things that cropped up about that um is the i found it fascinating when you, you commented i hope you don't mind me saying this because it was a public comment but you yeah, commented yeah. on man and joe turner's conversation last week about imposter syndrome and i mm -hmm. said quite you know it's, it's as the thought emerged really i said like i'm amazed at that because liz is such a competent and professional performer that i had probably clumsily assumed that that confidence would just trans you know go beyond the specific context right it, yeah and also probably i projected a bit there like on a moment's yeah. notice i would i mean it's as terrible a dancer i am as, as someone that rob tyru happens to also be like <laughs> section here said on yeah. twitter that i'm not much of a dancer but amusingly I don't know why I would, but if someone said, for whatever reason, please, it'd be a favor if you go and dance on that stage in front of people for a bit. They're into mo it just don't bother me that right. That's just me as 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 of a disposition. Mm -hmm. So I probably did make that assumption of you, and I was. You're not the only one though. Things, You're not the only one. So I I did a podcast with Matt Phillips for the STA, um, and in the middle of that, he literally said exactly what you just said. He said, because we were talking about online consultations and he said, did you ever get nervous doing it? And he said, I, I don't imagine you're someone that lacks confidence being someone that can go on stage and dance. And and if you watch the podcast, I go, yeah. And inside I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding. I like I'm I uh, I, I know I project that. Um, and I think that's part of being a performer, probably. And I think as a person, yes, I'm confident. But like what really made me realize was being a physio so once I sort of stopped being being a dancer by the way I thought I didn't have imposter syndrome as a dancer I've reflected on that because I knew we were going to talk about it and I think I probably did <laughs> a little bit um and it's probably just part of who I am it's just that I've got high standards and I I have a bit of self-doubt and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because I think it pushes you to be better sure. but um but yes yeah, so and Matt thought the same thing he was like oh you must you you have loads of confidence I can see you do and I, I sort of nod knowingly thinking well sort of like what really got me was training to be a physio and being assessed like you know all those student placements and it literally has a box that says confidence and they have to rate your confidence and you know you stick I'm great with MSK and I always have been because I was a sports therapist before right. being a physio as you know but you know stick me on a, an ICU ward and my confidence just goes like I was terrified I, I remember seeing uh seeing the, my results for actually it was it was a good result but my confidence was low on it and I remember thinking god I've, I've never thought of myself as someone that isn't confident but actually it made me really learn a lot about myself because I'm not but why would you be like I'd never done suctioning and you know all the crazy multi-systems analysis which I love I don't particularly love the practical part of respiratory if I'm honest <laughs> but um yeah it, it was the physio stuff that made me really realize that I'm not probably as confident as I come across all the time and I, that's probably okay it's like 
it's the case with a lot of things. This is going to sound really dark, but it's a good example. But you know, the people that commit suicide are the ones that were laughing on social media the day before. Like mm -hmm. that projection that you have, that's a very dark uh, comparison, but that sort of, it's not always what you see, I guess. Well, it's the, uh, it's the, it's the extreme of that notion, isn't it? That there's, there are fronts and, and performative aspects yeah. to everything. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. yeah, sometimes it can be such a potent and powerful mask that it can also then be masking serious mental illness and, and therefore self-destructive tendency at its worst. Yeah, and, and, and we know, performers have often have poor mental health so yeah which is yeah. something i mean this is this is the thing that i feel a, a bit guilty of is that in our podcast together and some of the afterward stuff and some of the off-air conversations that we'd had you had sort of hinted at the fact that sometimes that is a those are relevant variables and, and we talked a bit about eating disorder smoking we talked about some of the other general health and lifestyle factors that can surround it that sometimes there is and, and also you know, I know that the nature of performativity and, and, and mask wearing uh, both literally and uh, figuratively in, in your industry means that you've got that as being a factor I knew was in play, yet I just didn't put that on me, mate, Liz, you know, and, 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 and that assumed that, 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 that joining the dots, not just only that, yes, also a, a dancer performer, but also someone that I just know as a, a confident lady I love to chat to. And then I thought that then as an educator, that would just come for the ride. Do you think that then... Mm. The true sense of expertise that you had as a professional dancer and the fact that you were then no doubt sometimes performing at the top of your skill set, but then also yeah. the act of the act of dancing um, something more routine, I imagine is just so, so busman's holiday type um, in terms of what it is. Is it because of the fact that there's some novelty to having to present stuff, you know, going going live on talking about professional issues or recording something that um, I'm glad you took it as seriously as you did and, and, and it produced such a brilliant podcast with us. But is the, is the relevant difference there the sort of time served, do you think, or the, the, the level of time served expertise that you had relative to the different industries? Um, what was it? Uh... I'm not, I, do you know what I did think about? I was trying to think what the difference was, right? And I think part of, and Joe, I think is listening, so you can tell me if I'm wrong about this with imposter syndrome. Part of it, to me, comes down to how you see yourself and your identity. Um, I don't know if this is answering your question now, Jack, but stop me if I'm oh, going off on one. Um, it, it comes down to, like, you're, like so we, we talked about in the podcast about how being a dancer is more than just what you do, it's about who you are. And yeah. particularly for dancers, it's like it's what you do from when you first get have memories. So like I've always been a dancer. It's always how I identify myself. When people ask me what I do now, I'm like, I'm a physio. Oh, but I'm also a dancer. I just it's just <laughs> I, I hate to, let, you know, I never let it go. Sure. Um, but that kind of helped me feel that I belong, that I, that I belonged, I think. But the, the physio part, I don't, I don't know if this is answering your question, but the physio part, because it's my second career and it's something that I came into older and that when I when I work with say like like band sevens will be younger than I am for example this is when I first started so when I was a band five the band sevens would be younger than I was you know and I was like oh it's, it just sort of the power sort of thing was different in it that doesn't answer your question does it <laughs> I'm not sure it does it does it's, it's, it's I was um I was putting words in your mouth a little bit in terms of time served but also what you've added there is also just there's an age-related and a power-related hierarchy dynamic that I, that comes for the ride almost with those those features. You know, the yeah. the, the um the thing that that Liz sorry not Liz you're Liz sorry Joe has, uh, <laughs> has just said um she said uh, do you think there's an element of performance when we're with patients but that interprofessionally 
we can't rely on that. So therefore we, you know, I think that's, I, I mean, I, I'll admit that, that that sort of makes sense to me. Yeah. Yes. There's also an element of when you're with a patient, you know more than they do generally. So I, that kind of gives me a sense of, um, I guess I feel a bit more confident as I'm talking. Like I know they're not necessarily analysing what I'm saying, like as if I was explaining a condition to you, you'd be analysing it on the same level as me, whereas the patients kind of generally don't know as much as you do. And that kind of makes puts me in a, in a place of uh, uh, security, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Again, the relative expertise with who you're actually conversing with. Yeah. So, so when you're with, the, so what was it? If, is there an element of performance when with patients? So yeah, there probably is. Like you're kind of taking on the role of the physio, aren't you? Mm. Yeah. It's like a, it's sort of like a performance, I guess. So mm. interprofessionally, you're, it's kind of all neck and neck. And I think that's what was so hard about doing the, the podcast, the Physio Matters podcast, because I knew that people would be listening to that that had way more experience than I did, and a, you know, and were, I see. I nearly did it then, and we're like, and we're real physios. I nearly said that. I didn't even include myself in that branch. So that just shows you how much it's not in my identity. It, no. it is now, like five years after being grad, uh, having graduated. But um, yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's, and that's something that I find. I mean, I'm finding increasingly frequently, and also I think that that's the nature of this show is we've been able to sort of have that time to to do it. You know, Physio Matters runs as a monthly podcast that covers usually a topic, and it therefore isn't. We'd never would have, there isn't a circumstance where we'd get into these sorts of weeds, really. Yeah. And the, in on chewing it over, we've been able to sort of unpack that a little bit. And as we have done, more and more people have sort of admitted to what is under, what, what lies beneath sometimes some of what they're doing interprofessionally, which is the work that I'm championing. But also they, they are, like you are, giving people the sort of confidence to say that, you know, these this, these elements of self-doubt need to be, need to be grappled with, understanding what, what is, what is these, complex identity related issues that, that sort of do affect us and also what what is um what can be used for good as you've mentioned you know sometimes it holds yourself to a high standard but then also what can be crippling self-doubt that means you don't go and do something that would have been brilliant is not cool either so yeah trying to find that balance is, is fascinating now yeah. on this week's set of shows Liz I've also got a friend of mine coming on tomorrow who's talking a bit about the, the pubs uh, and bars reopening, talking sort of about hospitality and COVID and things like that. And they'll be pleased to hear that we won't be doing much of a health angle there, apart from, uh, obviously, I would say that, that, that uh, soci sociologically, that is an important health intervention for us to get back out there and get back drinking and, and the like. But you'd mentioned about the uh, effect that it's had theatres being closed, not just, and I could ask this question, not just professionally with you working in that industry, but also just it's something that you... You love you love that side of our of our culture and it's a massive important part of your life so if you could just reflect on on how that's been and, and how excited you are for that getting going again <laughs> yeah yeah i mean god i cannot wait for the day that i actually go and sit in the theater and watch watch the first show that you know people have performed in over a year actually i was really lucky around december theaters were open again do you remember like just before the new year yeah my every birthday other, it was like every other seat and it was like that. yes and my birthday is in december so we happened to go to the theater and actually i went and saw adam k reading his um you know the medical he's a doctor isn't he a, yeah, yeah, a doctor yeah. comedian went and saw him reading his stuff which was absolutely brilliant but yeah it was like two of us and then four seats free and then two other people and they everyone was masked and um but just to be in a theatre was thrilling. That was actually in the theatre um, that I've worked in backstage when it, when it used to show Singing in the Rain. So to be in the, the actual theatre as a as a like a guest was 
just so exciting. But literally the night we were there, that was the last show they did and it closed the next day. So Adam Kay was on stage saying, right, well, it was lovely to see you. This is the last one for we don't know how long. And that was literally the last show he did. And that's when lockdown sort of hit again. Is that right? Time scales? Yeah, it but, was. Yeah, that was when yeah. locked everything down again. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there was like this little flicker of a window when a few shows did open, but it was literally like, I think everyone's talking about Jamie open for four nights and then closed again. So to get that show open, they were in online rehearsals, they were in socially distanced um, rehearsals and uh, just absolute mania. They opened up, everything was bubbled. So everyone had to change living arrangements and things. They, they performed for four nights and then Boris Johnson made that announcement and they had to close completely again. So it's just been heart-wrenching for the performers and um, massive financial implications for them, obviously. Obviously, people in shows like that, I believe, are either furloughed or they're paid through their contract. But so many people that were in shows that were about to open or um, they were sort of three weeks away from starting rehearsals and they, they just lost their jobs with no financial support and no backup. So it's been huge. And obviously, lockdown's been huge for everybody. But mm. yeah, theatre-wise. It's a short career in many ways as well. And there's proper emergent moments, isn't it? That someone might be a, a, a chorus performer, a, a dancer, that then on the breakthrough auditioning for for bigger roles and stuff but that that's un unstable by design as a as a career as a breakthrough artist like that and then the time the, the time chunks I, I think of this in, in professional sport as well with regards to some of the olympians that have then been postponing and i saw some data about the drop-off rate with regards to those that qualified for the olympics that then are otherwise injured or have then not been able to maintain and, and, and the difference there from that delay it's not dissimilar in that there's people that were at their peak and were about to break through on various things, that it's not necessarily a given that then, then, I mean, we hope they do, but the whole circumstances around the world changing means that those those opportunities may well not return and the mental health yeah. equally that, that comes with that in this in this industry, not to mention that the, 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 Lord, the large financial implications of, of not necessarily being able to, hopefully the bustle of the theatre, it's full again soon, but that's mm. not even a given, is it? Well, uh, well, no, I mean, theatres are planning to open in May, June kind of time. Like I've even looked at booking seats for various shows and actually they're, they're, they're booking like normal now because there's no restrictions as of June, as far as I understand it. Mm. So, and I think seats are that's selling. The, that's the legal restriction. You just don't know about consumer behaviour. That's the thing. I mean, looking yes. at the pubs, it probably is going to be fairly liberal with that and people are going to just yeah. feel like they're everyone's sort of following the, the the letter of the law and so people will go and be licking each other's eyeballs by the summertime maybe but I maybe think... i don't know though sitting sitting you know bum to bum with people in a theater for two plus three three hours is very different from sitting in a beer garden you know i, I just mm. i wonder yeah, whether yeah, people yeah. maybe people need to kind of get just back to normal a little, a little bit before they have the confidence to do that but then mm. there'll be the, the crazy theater nuts like me that won't care and they'll be like oh <laughs> stick me in a box and i'll 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 go because you just yeah, you just do the sit-in for a week or something yeah. you're just playing whatever auditions are on or whatever it might be that's happening there so <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, think enough, I think there's enough of that though and there's enough of a craving for some of those cultural norms again and for us to yeah. re-engage with art and um the there is also a massive differential in um people's income and outgoings have been varied in such a way like people have had major disruptions, but there's also people that have been straight through with nothing to spend it on. There's people that I know yep. that, are, that they feel plenty guilty about it, but they've, uh, they're have they not necessarily well-paid people, but they're just people that's outgoings have decreased, their income is, is stable at the time, and, and therefore they 
they've got they, surface. They, they'll be yeah. <laughs> front row because uh, which yeah. they've never thought of doing. You know, they, they've, yeah, they, yeah. They've, 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 they've said that. And I, saw, I spoke over the weekend to friends who, who knew I was doing this podcast with you and stuff. And they, oh, that's interesting. And said that, yeah, well, typically I'm so looking forward to that, that we'll be paying for more expensive seats because we can, because we're so excited about doing so. And th there is that differential existing society now where I think that probably it will burst back to life. And I, I think rightly mm. so. I've been concerned about the socializing aspect. It's something I'll talk about with Chris tomorrow about the pub stuff, but just generally like, especially, uh, especially those, those younger than you or I or in different circumstances, like I'm mortified at the fact that like singletons in their twenties, not being able to make out with strangers in nightclubs. I can't even imagine <laughs> yeah. what a bizarre world. Yeah. Yeah. I've, absolutely. I've, I don't even have to answer that. Sorry, <laughs> it's, no, it's, even me blurting, I guess. <laughs> it's true but I think that's the big thing about theatre and creatives is that everyone we're social beings as humans you know but there's something about that industry that is so viscerally humanly about contacts like you everyone you get there in the morning and everyone's literally on top of each other hugging and kissing you dance in someone else's arms you act with someone you kiss them on stage you know you it's it's just so it's all about human connection so to have lost not only being able to see it, but being able to be part of it. And like people have been doing online rehearsals, they've been doing self tapes as auditions. So rather than getting to go to an audition where you'd maybe see 10 or 15 of your friends that you always see, go for a drink afterwards, have a chat, have a laugh. Everyone's doing self tapes at home. It couldn't be more isolated or, or, or uh, clinical, you know, and it's just, it's drained everybody so much. Like, we're just so desperate to get back. But then there's that, that worrying feeling of, we were here back in, you know, October, um, like autumn last year when things were starting to open up, and there's that there's that little bit of everybody that's thinking, oh my god, what if? What if? Yeah, what if? So, and and of course the financial implications of that. So theatre theatre producers are having to be really careful. So they're they're choosing to put on shows that tend to have less people in them. They're hiring less people in the orchestras just in case to save money oh, here and there. Really? So not only have we had all of that but now there's less jobs out there auditions are rammed also people that would normally have taken jobs at a higher level like principals and things are now like well i'll just go for something lower because i just need a job so yeah, everything yeah, is well, is kind of well, it compresses it compresses that yeah. market completely doesn't it if you, yeah you, totally if, you, if those that have those that were on that breakthrough or, or were principals that are then in, are in the chorus for the sake of taking something or yeah there are also people that are just in a situation where they just need to need to be within a comfort zone and actually yes. want to do that as a I'll do a few I'll do a, a few shows down a grade almost I know that's probably not the right lingo sorry but um I can understand that rationale I think people yeah. just just want to get back out there but maybe don't want yeah. to be the, the one in the spotlight necessarily uh yeah as much but also mm. there'll be those that are craving exactly that so it's a fascinating mm. fascinating thing thank you so much for exploring it with me I've got a question here from David Poulter he's asked is there a difference between stage fright and imposter syndrome that's a good question. Oh, David. Um, is there? I suppose you get stage fright because you're worried that something's going to go wrong. Like for me, when I used to be dancing, say, for example, with a partner and we were doing like lifts and things in the back of my mind was always like, Jesus, what if he drops me? You know, like just the embarrassment of that, <laughs> which, by the way, did happen once. Um, but stage fright, I don't know, is that imposter syndrome? Is it a feeling like you're not good enough? I think they're different, but I wouldn't be able to articulate why if I'm completely honest. Yeah. Stage fright is is also, I think it's just a massive amount of adrenaline that gives you that kind of flight or fight, flight or fight, 
fight or flight, <laughs> fight or flight response, I suppose, is right. kind of what stage fright is, I guess, mm. which doesn't necessarily link into feeling that you don't fit there or that self-doubt. It's just, it's a good question. I'm not sure. One of the similarities, I guess, would be that the consequences of a bad experience there in imposter syndrome, it's been yeah, the, the, the sort of being found out as being a fraud. And yeah. Whereas in stage fright, it'd be more the fact that you're not able to perform and therefore the consequences are both largely embarrassing moments that could throw you off and, and demoralize you. Yeah, stage fright is, is kind of, it's about live performance, I think, because if something goes wrong, there's nowhere to hide that. Because you don't get, I don't think you get that when you do things that are recorded, <laughs> a bit like the podcast. You don't get that when you do things that are recorded, but going onto a live stage where there's a 2000 people watching you if you trip or if you get something wrong you go the wrong direction that's that's quite scary to have to deal with i, I think that's more what stage fright is about is the the liveness of it and mm. the the possibility that things can properly go wrong which has happened to me i've fallen over on stage i've been dropped on stage i've fallen off the edge of a stage once wow. <laughs> yeah my little, my little sister was uh, was uh, one of the seven dwarves in a pantomime years ago in, in full costume and uh, and then um, fell off onto the drum kit. Um, and uh, oh, and, and the, the audience, it's pantomime, they just thought that was part of part it. Part of it. Uh, roaring laughter and uh, were disappointed it didn't happen on the next showing. Um, Joan <laughs> Turner has asked, or she suggested, maybe the, the imposter syndrome would kick in after the performance, perhaps. Yeah. That might be something that you, you could Yeah. Do. You could uh, comprehend we're out of time Liz, which i'm upset about uh we could go on and we i'm sure can do this again um if, if we can uh, afford the time but i also just want to say again thank you so much for for being our uh our woman in this space for at the moment you know there's a lot of interest a lot of hunger for anyone that's interested please do get in touch with liz either via us or please give them your contact information or twitter handles and the like all right well easy it's liz bailey physio bailey spelled with a y um what else? Oh, I need to mention this as well. So it, I think I'm going to be doing a podcast, a regular podcast with Bill Taylor, who's the consultant physio for the Scottish Ballet. So we've done like a little thing that we did with EV Physios Online, uh, which I think is probably going to be released this week. So I'm at great risk of overexposure now that this is out this week as well. Um, but yeah, me and Bill are going to do a podcast. We're going to try and aim it more at dancers, kind of give them patient, useful information. Mm -hmm. But that's going to be floating around in the next few weeks or months Fantastic. as well well when, when that when that gets gets off the ground then obviously feel free you and bill could uh, launch it or release it or shout about it on this show or elsewhere so do let us know and we'll, we'll champion that that sounds brilliant um, yeah thank you um but in the meantime something that we've got i suppose is news that i had forgotten to say uh for those that have been um we only have 10 we've got the last 10 units for april delivery for the active force two units um so they, they've been really popular and We've really struggled to get the stock because of all the supply issues and complexities around that that you can imagine because of COVID. Even the Suez Canal thing seems to have affected us. Um, and so <laughs> you've got to get your hands on those. Go to physiohappenmatters.com forward slash AF2. And we've got the last 10 of those, which we can guarantee for April delivery. Um, so please do, uh, please do snap them up if you're interested. But anyway, that's enough for me. I'll see you tomorrow for, as I mentioned, me and Chris Pollard, who's a friend of mine who works in hospitality. Um, he's going to be talking a little bit about the uh, how that how that industry's got on and, and reopening with a bang and all that sort of stuff overlaps really nicely with this conversation. Yeah, it will do, yeah. That's, uh, that's great. Thanks a lot, Liz. We'll speak to Thanks, you. Jack. See you later.